Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. On Calvary, now I can say I love you, Jesus. Things so are good to me. Now I can say I love. been what they've been through, you would cry sometimes too. In fact, I said to Jade this morning uh, as we came in that we were back together again. And what I said to Jade is it was good to be back together again. And some of you may not know, but I served as youth pastor for a number of years over here at the Grove. And till this day, that is the highlight of my life, being assigned to those children. Because God had entrusted me with his very precious, his most important people on earth. And so I am glad, I was excited when I saw that I would be once again reunited with what I call my people. I know they're not mine, but it is good to see my people. My grandmother used to say, every now and then you need to put your eye on your people so you can see how they're doing. This day and age with all the things that are happening, we need to put our eye on our children and we need to lay hands on them and we need to pray for them. You don't know what they're going through. You didn't have to go to school virtually. You didn't have to show up in the middle of the pandemic. You didn't have to worry about if you were going to catch coronavirus. You didn't have to worry about those things. It takes a toll on your mental stability when you have to worry about those things. So, Jay, you cry on just a little while longer. It's all right. It is all right. Truth be told, there have been many a days that I wanted to cry and, and just not stop crying. 
as I reflected on this message and as I reflected on this week, it's been a tough 20 months. Before I get to that, I might start preaching. Let me thank a few people. Uh, you know, you might get into trouble. Miss Alice told me I'd get in trouble if I don't recognize uh, Deacon Linda over there. So, uh, Deacon Linda, thank you, because Miss Alice may be listening, and I need to stay in good with Miss Alice uh, on that front. Amen. So, Deacon Linda, thank you for always being in my corner. Uh, I see uh, the Graham family is in the house. Uh, it is good to be in good relationship with your in-laws. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but the Graham family is always supporting me. Uh, Brother Danny, my brother-in-law, is in the house this morning uh, as a surprise, so I appreciate that, uh, Brother Danny. Thank you for being in the house uh, this morning. And we are yet praying for our pastor. Uh, We got the news uh, that her brother, essentially. She is officially her cousin, but her brother has gone on to be with the Lord. Pastor, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for this opportunity to preach, but we are yet praying for you. We are yet praying for your strength. We are yet praying for your family. Anytime you lose a loved one, it is tough. Some of you know what I'm talking about now. It is tough. Amen. And also, Pastor Joseph, we are yet praying uh, for you. Uh, He lost his father and preached the eulogy yesterday. And truth be told, this was Pastor Joseph's assignment that I am filling in for, and I am honored to be filling in for him. But we are yet praying for the entire Joseph family there. But most of all, we want to thank God. We want to thank God. None of this is possible without God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father God, in this moment, in this time, and in this place, you have ordained the preaching of your word. So hide me behind this here cross and show only to you. Fix the word so they will come out in a way that your people will understand, in a way that they can be changed, in a way that they'll go running for you, Father. So in this moment, be present in this time, in this place and lead your people, Father God. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I reflected over the last 20 months, I had a tough time. And I had a tough time because it's been a tough 20 months. Some of you don't may not know what I'm talking about, but let me give you a few facts and figures. 700,000 people have died of COVID in the United States. 700,000 plus. 5.1 million worldwide have died of COVID. We've been in virtual school. We've been isolated. We've been uh, cut off. We have been, in some ways, in trouble we have had over the past 20 months, uh, George Floyd, Amald Aubrey, Breonna Taylor. We've had an Afghanistan crisis. We've had a Haitian refugee crisis. We've had a school crisis. We've had a mental health crisis. You name it, it seems as if we have had it. It appears that our society is coming apart 
at the seams. It appears that parade killings, protest killings by people using their car have gotten all too common. It appears that mall violence is reoccurring on a regular basis. It appears that we might just be in trouble. But as Reverend Bell said, we never go by how it looks. Let me give you a few more facts and figures. To my email came one of the most disturbing facts and figures that I had seen in a while. When you started to look at the church, Barner.com said that 38% of pastors, Protestant pastors, were ready to leave their job, leave the ministry, leave being a pastor. If you dig into those statistics, 51% of mainstream Protestant pastors are ready to give it up. If you dig just a little deeper, we found that 46% of pastors under the age of 46 or 45 were about ready to call it quits. It appears that we've got a gathering storm on our hands. If that is the condition of the pastors, then what is condition of the other church leaders? What is the condition of the minister of music? What is the condition of the deacons? What is the condition of the associate ministers? What is the condition of youth directors? What is the condition of finance chairs? What is the condition of council chairs? What is the condition of the people that are leading God's house if the pastors are in trouble. Tough statistics to look at, folks. Better yet, the question is, what is the condition of God's people? If all of that is going on, what condition is, God, is God's people, or what condition are God's people in? Matthew 9 and 36 says, when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. When I think it over, the last year I've been harassed and I've been helpless. If I'm honest, maybe it doesn't bother you, but if I'm honest, death has shown up at my door. Sickness has shown up at my door. Challenges have shown up. I'm weary, I'm worn, I'm battered, and I'm bruised. And as I look a little deeper, this is no ordinary storm. This is what we might call a gathering storm. These types of storms you can't prepare for. See, in a regular storm, they forecast it. You run out to the grocery store. You get all the goods. You come back in your house and you hunker down and you wait until it is over. But these gathering storms, they come with no warning. One day you're doing all right and the next day you are not. There was no forecast to prepare you. 
these type of storms will wait you out. They'll let you hunker down for a little while and then they will show up again. You need proof, how about the pandemic? Every time we think we've got this thing beat, here comes another virus. And I don't know the Greek alphabet, but I'm tired of Omicron. I'm tired of Delta. I'm tired of Beta, Theta. All of it I'm tired of. I've had about all I can take of that Greek alphabet. So when I look at this gathering storm, there appears to be no end. It appears to fluctuate. And some people say there is no solution. But they would be wrong. There is a solution to this gathering storm, and that solution is, how about you stand firm? The songwriter says, speak to your storm. The songwriter said, your storm can't last. Maybe that should have been the title, but we're going to stay with stand firm. We're going to stay with stand firm because if you look at Psalm 89, it says, your word, Lord, is, in, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. So point number one for those people that are keeping up, you got to know the word. Even if you're going to speak to your storm, you got to have something to say. What are you saying to your storm? In order to stand firm, you must have a solid foundation. What is your foundation made of? The Bible says the grass withers in Matthew, excuse me, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Build your foundation, folks, on something that will last. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that God has given this ministry. In other words, God has given you an assignment. The assignment is not just for Reverend Paul over there. The assignment is not just for Reverend Bill over here. The assignment is not just for Pastor Preston. The assignment is for you, too. But in order to do your assignment, you've got to have a solid foundation. It says we too have, in verse number six, we too have the same ministry to tell the good news. We cannot tell the gospel if we don't know the gospel. For God said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. It is this light that is working on the inside that is going to sustain you and give you strength. It is this light that is going to let you stand firm. It is this light that's going to help you make it. It is this light, folks, that's going to carry you on to heaven. You got to know the word. In order to stand firm, folks, you can't just stay focused on yourself. I don't know about you, but when I stay focused on myself, I don't do nothing else. I am no good to anybody else. You can just ask Linda, I'm all focused on me. 
She can't get anything out of me when I'm just focused on myself. But the reality is that's not what the Word says. The Word says we are supposed to be of service. In verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as the servants for Christ's sake. In other words, we serve others for the sake of winning them to Christ, even in the midst of our trouble. It took me a while to understand that, Lord, I'm struggling over here. You want me to go and do something for somebody else? Maybe y'all, the saints, that don't struggle with that. I did. I said, Lord, I can barely make it. I'm on one, I'm on my last leg. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm weird. He says, go and serve. I'm going to bless the people with your service. So I said, Lord, how do you serve when you got your own problems? He said, good, I'm glad you asked. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 says, here Paul says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. How many of us are serving to win them to Christ? Paul had to set aside his own problems to work for the Lord. So I said, what do you mean? You remember Paul had a thorn in his flesh. You don't believe me? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where it says, verse 7, part B, it says, Because of these surprisingly great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away. But he said to me, my grace, is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more, Paul says, glad, gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulty, because when I am weak, then I am strong. That was point number two. If you missed it, folks, you're going to have to serve despite your challenges because the Lord is working that situation out. But if you stay focused on yourself too much, you'll miss the Lord working that situation out for you. This is what we call letting our light shine so that others may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. But I like the way the, the life application Bible says, it says, the supremely valuable message of salvation in Jesus Christ has been entrusted to the frail and fallible human beings. Though we are fallible jars of clay, that's verse seven, folks, God uses us to spread the good news and give us power to do his work. Our responsibility is to let people see God through us. In other words, folks, you might get a little battered. 
you might get a little bruised. That's what Paul is talking about in verse number 8 when he says you're hard-pressed on every side. You might even get mistreated, knocked down. That's verse number 9. The power that is with, within you, folks, is greater than that power that is in the world. So you might get a little bruised in this process, but you're working on something greater. The people might get on your nerves, but you're working on something greater. Your office mates may be trying to get rid of you, but you're working on something greater. School children may be getting on your nerves, but you're working on something Greater. Reverend Bell, the courthouse may wear you out on sometimes, but you are working on something greater. So it doesn't matter, folks, if there is a gathering storm ahead. Because, see, if you hadn't figured out, God specializes in gathering storms. My God can tell that storm, peace, be still, and that storm will disappear. My God will hear the cries from anywhere and say, I got you. So you just call out and you say, I look to the hill from which cometh my help, and my help cometh from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. But folks, if that's not enough for you, that third verse says, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. That's that stand firm again. He does not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Folks, we could shout right now. Come on. But if you just read just a little while, I said, the Lord is thy keeper. He is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun will not smite me by day, but the moon will not smite me by night. And then if you just keep reading a little while longer, it says, he shall preserve you from all evil. So it don't matter if it's going to come a theta, a beta, an omicron, or, or whoever. It don't matter, folks, because the Lord has got this. Lift up your eyes to the hills from which comes your help, and you'll recognize that the Lord has got this. Verse 8 says, I shall preserve your coming in and your going out. Verse 7 said, I will protect you from all evil. I will protect your soul. See, folks, you got to know a little bit of word if you're going to make it through gathering storms. So you got to know the word. You got to serve. You got to have a heart, folks, of thanksgiving. What do I mean by that? You got to have a. It's hard to be thankful when the people are getting on your nerves. It's hard to be thankful when you don't and your bills are not getting paid. It's hard to be thankful when you have lost your job. It's hard to be thankful when things are not going your way. Maybe you don't know how that feels, but I have a little experience. It's hard to be thankful when you can't get a minute to yourself. It's hard to be thankful when it comes from every direction. 
But what the Lord said to me is you're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on the wrong thing. So you looking at your problem when you should be looking at me. We need to stop focusing on our problems and we need to start focusing on the Lord. Because your problems, your troubles are just an opportunity for you to remain humble and for God to demonstrate his power. Let me stay on my assignment. Verse number 15 in chapter 4 says, All this is for your benefit. So that grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. A grateful heart allows you to be content in all situations. You don't believe me? Roll over to Philippians 4. Starting at verse 11, Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am need or for, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry, well living in plenty or in want. Because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So if you know where your source is, folks, then you can have a heart of thanksgiving even in the midst of your troubles. When I reflect about the condition of the church, we're focused on the wrong thing. If there was a moment in history that the church needed to stand up, that moment is now. If there was a moment that we needed to not only hear the gospel, we need to also see the gospel. That moment is now. We're trying to do things in our own strength. See, when I looked at those statistics about those pastors, that one hit home because I know a pastor that's under 46 that stepped down. It's a tough road if we don't stay focused on where our help is coming from. It's a tough road if we don't stay focused on the Lord. It's a tough road if we don't realize that it's not about us and it's not about our strength and it's not about what we're going to do. It's about what God is going to do. And when you know that, you can have a heart of thanksgiving. That was point number three. I won't be with you long, folks. Stay with me. Point number four. Remain hopeful in the midst of your challenges. It is not what about what you see before you. It's about the God that you know. The Life Application Bible puts it this way. And I love this. Paul reminds us that we may be at the end of our rope, but we're never at the end of our hope. Let me say that again. We may be at the end of our rope, but we're never at the end of our hope. All our risks, humiliations, trials, are opportunities for Christ to demonstrate his power and his presence through us. It is about what God is doing behind what is seen. 
God is working even when you don't see it. I think Shireen sings a song about that, but I'll move on. The problem is, is we get caught up in what we call the success syndrome. We think success ought to look a certain way. We think our ministry ought to look a certain way. We think if those, pool, uh, those seats out there are not full, we got a problem. God didn't call you to fill up those seats. He didn't call on you to sustain the church. What he said is preach the word. What he said is, do what I have assigned you to do. I've got everything else. So let's not be distracted by success syndrome. Let's stop looking at our neighbor because we don't know what our neighbor did to get where they are. So you don't know. So you're looking on the outside. You don't know what your neighbor had to sacrifice. You don't know what your neighbor had to give up. You don't know what values and what scriptures your neighbor had to violate to get where they got. You're too busy focused on your neighbor. You're focused on your problems. You're focused on everything but God. And the reality is, the only reason you're still standing is but God. So how about refocus on God? Let me hasten on. Like Paul, we must carry out our assignment, looking to God and not ourselves. When opposition, slander, mistreatment, and troubles of this life get you down, remember nothing, nothing can destroy or stop what God has ordained for you and through you. Don't get distracted, folks. Stand firm. It is not just about this life, but it's also about the next one. See, we get confused about this thing. We think we're building something over here. You can't take none of this stuff with you. When you're gone, those children are going to spend it all anyway. All your hard work, they're going to got it. Take trips. Stay in fancy hotels. Go on a shopping spree. But again, I'm in deep water. Let me hasten on. One of the things that I didn't understand when I was younger is older Christians used to say they were sending up their timber. And I'll be honest with you, Reverend Bell, you know, I was younger back then, thought I knew something. I was like, well, they can't build nothing in heaven. What are they sending up timber for? (laughs) And one of those older saints said, Marley, just live just a little while longer. I said, I don't know what they're talking about. I know you can't build nothing in heaven. What I didn't understand is, see, when you're sending up timber, folks, that means you are praying, praising and sacrificing to God at all times so that when you need him most, you got a relationship that you can count on. So if I can just be just a little bit like the old Christians, I might get somewhere. I'm sure all of you already knew that. 
I'm still growing over here on this side. Folks, our assignment may be tough. Our assignment may look like we're not going to end, win. But the reality of the situation is we've already won. We got to remember that. Stop looking at what's before. Stop looking at this crazy society. Stop looking at what people are doing. People are crazy. They fickled. Truth be told, we're crazy. We fickled. One day we with God, next day we not. Nah, y'all, none of y'all have that problem. None of y'all try to do anything on your own. None, everybody in here all with the Lord. No, I'm going to tell the truth. Some days I'm doing well with the Lord. And some days I fall and bump my head. And the Lord had to shake me up a little bit and say, did you forget? I didn't bring you this far to leave you. Did you forget? You didn't come this far without me. Did you forget? I got this. How about you just wait on me? It may not look like you wanted to look, but I got this. I was neither slumbering nor sleeping. Nothing that you were doing and nothing that you were going through caught me by surprise. Just wait on me. I'm going to leave you with a couple of examples of how we get distracted. And then I'm going to take my seat. So... If you look at this society and if you look at this world, I can't tell you how many of my friends and people I talk to, we're all distracted by the negativity. We're all distracted about what's going wrong. And when you stay focused on what's going on wrong, you miss all the things that are going right. I'll give you an example. One restaurant owner known for ministering to his customers for free when necessary, handing out money in the parking lot if need be. People know he keeps money on him just for those purposes. Somebody decided to rob him one day. And they got to tussling over the gun and the restaurant owner got shot in the chest. Now, a lot of us would say, oh, that's over, see? We told him not to be out there handing out that money and doing that for them people because them people were going to turn on. I know what you're going to say because I've said it. But watch this. Restaurant owner survived, went down to the courthouse when the judge asked him, what would you like to see done with the person that attacks you, that shot you? Restaurant owners, just send him over there to work with me. But God. Only God can bring out that situation. Let me give you another one. If some, how many of you people, I'm sure everybody was watching football on Thursday. I happened to catch uh, one of the pregame shows on Fox. And they featured a player by the name of Zach Follett. I think that's the name. And he used to play with the Detroit Lions. And he got injured and he was temporarily paralyzed. His football career was over. His Christian faith told him to go and open up a coffee shop, as he put it. 
he opened up this coffee shop, and on the way to work one day, he saw a man with a homeless sign said that I missed my home. And he thought about that thing, and he went and bought him a cup of coffee and said, tell me your story. How did you get here? And he told his story how he got addicted to drugs and how he lost everything, lost his job, lost his home. And so Zach bought him food, clothes, prayed with him, laid hands on him, and went on. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do. But because Zach stopped to value someone that everybody else disvalued, changed his whole life. The young man's name was Tommy, and Tommy said, because that one person stopped to value me, I decided I need to get some help. I decided to get cleaned up. I decided to go back to school. I decided to go to college because he took the time to value me. Folks, that's ministry in action. That's serving. Because to be honest with you, if your career had been destroyed, you could have been at home being bitter. But Zach didn't do that. I'll give you one last example here over here, closer to home. All summer, the PGC faithful provided food for the needy. Didn't matter how hot it was, didn't matter when we got rained on, didn't matter. We showed up because somebody was in need. I'll do you even one better. The PGC faithful gave tithes and offerings throughout 2021 despite the pandemic. They gave anyway despite their financial struggles. They gave anyway. And because they gave, we're able to support our ministry partners in the community and around the world in their time of need. In their darkest hour, the church was able to help because you did what God told you to do. Amen. So, folks, this is not a time to cower. This is not a time to retreat. This is not a time to go in our houses and lock it up and, and board it up. This is not a time for us to retreat. This is a time for us to stand firm and stay focused on God. Thank you, Reverend Bell. Come on.
you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.